I have heat in. I'm yeah, that's good. You also, yeah. I mean, some people would say you're you're sick because you've been taking cold showers for a week. Well, there could be that. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't really have a lot of choice. Um, it was either that or not shower, and I'd much rather shower even if it is cold. Yeah, I hear you. So um, yeah, that is that is now all sorted. We have hot water. Yeah. We have heating. It's amazing. You had a, a crazy couple of weeks. I mean, you had you had the. Uh, you had no hot water. You went to yep. London. I don't know. There's a lot of things happening in your life. I, it felt like you were having an exciting life, and I was sitting around doing nothing. I, it didn't feel exciting. I felt stressed. Oh. <laughs> I bet you did. I saw you got so, so you got one of those inline heaters. It looked like like the, the it was called the Valiant. I saw, which is quite interesting. It is, um, uh, and it, and it's not like a tank of water that's heated up. It's it's like a little box that heats it like on demand. I think right. Yeah, it's. I don't. I, I guess this is not like a standard thing in the U.S. because that's pretty standard for the U.K. It's it's called a it's combination not, boiler. Yeah, it's becoming a more standard thing, and I've looked at it before. Um, at least here, in terms of the prices, supposedly you you really need to own one of those for a long time for it to make sense compared to the big. We have you know giant hot water tanks, and and the downside of those is if they rust out or something, the water just goes everywhere. Right, um, and that does happen sometimes, but um, the inline ones are more expensive, and then you need to have for it to really. And I, but I guess they are more efficient, so you save money on the um, heating the water. So if you have it for a long time, it makes sense. But if you're not planning to stay in your place for too long, then then it's not a good good deal, I guess. So that's that's the lesson on hot water heaters in America. Well, there we go. Um, yeah, so the, the one we had before was the same thing, um, but it was like. I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years old. Oh, okay. Um, and we needed two new parts, and the new parts were going to cost about £1,500, and a new boiler is £2,000. So it yeah. it didn't really make a lot of sense to, to replace it. Yeah. So was your landlord parts. your landlord paid for it, though, right? Not you. Yeah, but my landlord's my mum. Oh, um, I didn't know that. <laughs> that makes for a nice, nice awkward conversation. <laughs> okay, I got it. I did. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah yeah my, my parents are my landlord so that's got it yeah so that makes for a nice fun kind of conversation six weeks before christmas um oh yeah by the <laughs> way bet. we need to do boiler <laughs> do they just tell you to to tough it up and uh and, and enjoy the cold shower uh, no no they did not <laughs> okay um, well that's good that's good no it's uh yeah it took a while it took like four days i think even just to kind of work out if we could get a new boiler in because of I don't know, regulations and the hole in the wall needed to be in a certain place and it was a nightmare. Oh, that sounds terrible. Yeah, but it's working. It's amazing. And now oh, that's now good. I've got to, now I've got to go to get some wood to hide all those pipes because it's, uh, it's yeah. in a different place to the old one. Sounds like fun. Yeah, but it did mean I could buy I bought an electric drill from Amazon on uh, nice. on Black Friday, so that gave me an excuse to buy some power tools. I bought some stuff on Amazon too on Black Friday. What did you get? I got a dot. You got a dot, of course. I did. I it was a good time I, to buy it. I mean, they were what ten dollars off or something. Twenty. Yeah, it was forty forty dollars total. So uh, I got it because at my office where I have a Mac Mini, I have some a small set of computer speakers hooked up, up to them. So I just got a splitter that I'm going to split out to the dot. And the reason, the thing that that tipped me over the edge for going for the dot, finally doing some sort of echo thing, was were two things. One is AT and T has a deal with it now, so that 
I can send text messages via the dot and also uh, the Todoist integrations that, that were you know, developed not too long ago, a few weeks ago. The, between those two things, I think I'll actually get some good use out of it. That and playing music while I'm working, that kind of thing. Yeah, the Todoist is is really good actually. It's it's really fast for that's like, what I've heard. When you that's add something, fitter... it's it's li- literally instant. Like I pick up my phone and it's already on there. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, that's so that's that's one of the big things because I just think it'll be easy to. Do, can you when you do that? Can you actually tell it to dump it into a particular project or date or anything like that? Is it what 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 does it do? Is it just like if I said um, write article hashtag writing on tuesday would it put it drop it into tuesday and since i use the hashtag drop it into the writing project i honestly don't know um because that's the only thing i'm using it for is telling it to add stuff to my shopping list um you know while i'm in the kitchen i realize something of the echoes in the kitchen um but yeah I, i don't know if you can do that or not because it's not so much a Todoist integration as it is a sync between Alexa's to-do list and Alexa's shopping list. Um, and Got it, it syncs those to a Todoist list that kind mm-hmm. of matches that. Kind of like how people hack the Reminders app in on iOS sometimes with, with task managers, right? Is this kind of like that? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you, you might have a bit more luck because I, I, I don't really use Todoist for much. I pretty much just use it for a shopping list. Um, yeah. But I'm sure you can have a play around and see if it does that. Well, the good thing is, I mean, it has its own syntax, you know, which is nice because then you don't have to actually have any particular categories or things you have to, it's easier to integrate when it's just plain text. So if you have like projects are preceded by a hashtag and labels are preceded by an at symbol. So as long as I can get those to translate into the plain text that goes into the, whatever the Amazon to-do list is, I would think they would probably translate over, but I guess we'll see. We will. Um, I have a Thanksgiving question. No good. Shoot. Because um, <clears throat> that was that was this week, wasn't it? It was Thursday. Um, it was. It's always on a Thursday, third Thursday of November every year. So it's always a different date. Roast potatoes. Do you have roast potatoes on Thanksgiving? Is that something that people do or not? Um, yes. I mean, there's a variety of different root vegetable dishes that people have, you know, mashed potatoes, or you could have roast potatoes, or you could have sweet potatoes, sweet potatoes that are mashed, sweet potatoes that are roasted, sweet potatoes that are just baked, you know, that sort of thing. We had baked sweet potatoes this year. Because I I hear a lot of talk of the mashed potato and the the sweet potato, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about roast potatoes, and I was concerned that people were having the meal without roast potatoes in in some instances but Mm. well i would say that the roast potato is probably one of the the the, uh, more rare occurrences of potato dishes on thanksgiving probably mashed potatoes i would say was probably the the most common huh okay that's interesting yeah but it's you do all kinds of things with potatoes right oh yeah absolutely (laughs) I, i was just curious it was just a conversation that we had uh, at work and, and we couldn't quite understand why everyone was talking about mashed potatoes instead of roast yeah you mean like you know roasted in the in the oven with some oil and maybe some spices and things like that exactly yeah 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 no that people do that people definitely do that okay. but i'd say it's more like more common to have mashed potatoes on or baked potatoes maybe on on thanksgiving okay good well we've yeah. cleared that up at least that was important yeah, i actually 
I actually went to a store on Thanksgiving. I got talked into going to a store for a little while because they started opening at like six o'clock on Thanksgiving night. I felt terrible for the people who were there and that I was encouraging this activity. But uh, we got some good blankets for our for our house because it's getting cold here uh, for very cheap. So it was, it was, Perfect. It was a good, good, good outing. <laughs> so, so you didn't feel too sorry worker. for those people. <laughs> yeah, I felt sorry for them. I exploited them, and I've got a twenty dollars blanket. So. Perfect. Well, that makes it all okay. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, as, should we move on to our, some of our actual topics rather than uh, potato? Yeah, based. rather than Thanksgiving, uh, right? Yeah. Do you want to tell me a little bit about the uh, the side side click remote? I have no idea what this thing is, and you just—I guess you got it to run your TV now that you're using the Fire Stick and that sort of thing. Yeah. So I bought the. See, we spoke about it last episode, but I bought the Fire TV box. Um, right. And one of the things that was putting me off of it is it doesn't have volume controls on it um, on the remote like the Apple TV does. Um, right. And see, that's really convenient to be able to just kind of do the volume. Um, so because it doesn't do that, I was looking around and there's this thing called SideClick. Uh, so SideClick is a, uh, it's kind of a remote uh, in and of itself um, and it kind of clips onto the side of, of the Fire TV remote and it gives oh, yeah. you... Uh, on off uh, you know volume channel up and down and then i think gives you a couple of uh you know programmable buttons that you can do whatever you want with and basically you train it against your tv remote so mm-hmm. i can now from this kind of hybrid remote with the side click and the fire tv remote turn on my tv change inputs do volume all of that kind of stuff um so i don't need to like have my tv remote hanging around anymore yeah i see so basically it comes with a bracket and you clip clip the two parts together, and it gives you a little uh, set of buttons to the side of your regular remote, right? Exactly. Um, I mean, it's it's not the most elegant solution. Um, it's kind of so you've got this clip to the side of the remote. It it kind of makes it quite wide, but it, it's still a hell of a lot easier than having two remotes constantly around to to do volume and stuff like that. Yeah, it's an interesting solution. It looks like they're twenty percent off on Cyber Monday, so you should have waited a little longer. Yeah, I. <laughs> this is the worst. So I ordered it. Obviously, it took a couple of weeks because it came from the US. Um, okay. And you know, a, a few days after I'd ordered it, I got the email saying it was twenty percent off. Um, oh boy! But it was kind of okay because I, I think I got ten percent off in the first place when I ordered um, because okay. I left it in the basket for a while, and they just emailed me and said, "Oh, if you still want it, you can use this code for ten percent off." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll definitely order it then." Yeah, you know they used to do Amazon in the early days. Used to do that all the time, and all I ever would do would have a would have a basket full of stuff, and they would over time they would offer more and more of a discount, and then I would finally pull the trigger. Uh, but they they got wise to that and stopped doing that years ago. It's funny you mention that actually because they have started. I've noticed things that I've got on my wish list. They will I now get push notifications telling me that like it's available on Prime now and things like that. Oh, really? Um, I haven't seen that yet. I'm, I think this is an Android-only thing, because, of course, on iOS, technically, you're not supposed to send marketing push notifications. Yeah, although a lot um, of people do. Of, of course, but um, but I think this is kind of like a, a thing that they only do on Android. But yeah, I get like push notifications, when, and they'll tell me, oh, this thing that's on your wish list is 10% off, or it's available on Prime now, you could have it by tonight. Um, oh, that's pretty so It's cool. kind of interesting that they're doing that. Yeah, I picked up a couple other things on Amazon. Um, nothing big. I got a, an, an anchor lightning cable that's super supposed to be heavy duty, and then 
one of those plugs for uh, USB for in the car. You know, that fits into like the uh, the lighter socket. Oh yeah. I don't know if they have those. Um, yeah, but anyway, I got a couple of those things too. I've been trying to be good and not do too much crazy shop shopping post Thanksgiving. Yeah, well, talking of uh, crazy shopping. <laughs> yes. What did you do, Rob? You you went out and bought a book, but it wasn't just any book. No, I bought a hundred and seventy pound book of Apple products photo book. Oh wow, it's pretty amazing though, isn't it? Isn't it really nice? Oh, it is a really really nice book. Um, it's God, it's going to sound like Johnny Ive, but like you know, like the 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 paper quality and the printing quality is is really really good. Um, yeah, and it it's it's really heavy. Um, this book, yeah. it's, it's pretty thick. I mean, I got the small one. Um, I didn't go for the plus model because that was like another hundred quid, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I've had a a pretty in depth look through it, and it's it's, it's a nice video, a, not a nice video, uh, a nice book. Um, you know, there's some interesting kind of prototypes and the way they kind of put stuff together, um, like like the leather cases where they start with you know this just big sheet of leather and then they kind of mold the plastic into it or you know however it is they're doing it, um, and then cut that up. Right. But yeah, it's it's a really nice book, but it's quite expensive right no i i I have held off so far i mean i i I was very tempted it and the thing that i i do like about it is the fact that as you said it's not just uh glamour shots of the of the products themselves there's a little bit more in terms of how they're actually made and the process and the prototyping and all that which i always find that sort of thing really interesting yeah definitely i mean this has been brought up on other shows so we won't kind of go over it but I, I do feel like Apple kind of missed a trick a little bit in that of all the people they can actually add or they could if they wanted to more information you know about how the product was you know how it kind of how they came up with it and kind of insider information like they really they could have added that like nobody else could make that book um whereas as it is it's just a photo book and it's kind of just Apple's version of iconic right. Yeah, I, I I agree. Although I I'm not surprised that they didn't do that, and I doubt we'll we'll ever see that really, just because of the secretiveness of the company. But it it would be nice to have a little bit more of a behind the scenes look too. Yeah, definitely. But uh, you know, as I said, I don't I don't regret buying it. Um, it it's really nice. It's uh, but you know, at that kind of price point, it's kind of hard to justify at times. Yeah, they've got them. I I guess they're on display in a handful of Apple stores around the United States, including the downtown Chicago one. So, uh, if I get a chance, I'm going to go up there and and check it out. But it's a it's a bit of a hike, um, and I tend to walk up there because I'm a cheapskate and don't like to take the Uber. So, uh, I may may or may not go up there and check it out at some point. You know, Stephen Hackett did a really nice video of it where he took a lot of his collection of old Apple gear and put it side by side with the book, which I thought was a kind of neat way to highlight the book and and really bring it to life in a little bit more three dimensionally. You know? Yeah, this was really great. This was actually I think I watched this and and then that was kind of what pushed me over the edge to buy it. Um, uh-huh. because I kind of, I could see like the quality of the book and, and, you know, the size of it and stuff. But yeah, this is a really interesting video because obviously Stephen Hackett has all the Apple products or most yep. of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he did a really nice, nice job on this, especially the, uh, the iPod socks where he opened it up and he had all the iPod socks on the page. Right. Yeah, no, that was kind of a nice touch. And it, I, I think it was really one of the best videos he's done so far. He's been doing the, doing 
uh, various videos with his collection for the last few months. But this is this was really, I think, my favorite so far. Yeah, definitely. We'll um we'll put that in the show notes. Uh, I highly recommend if you watch it. Yeah, the the other thing I would check out if if you're interested at all in the old Apple products is there. Johnny Ive did a couple of interviews right after this was after this book was released. One was it was interesting because it's a video that ultimately turns out it was produced by Apple, which I suspected at the time because the style was very Apple. But it showed up first on a Japanese design website and then found its way eventually onto the uh, book page on Apple.com. So. You can find it in one of those two places. It's linked, at least to the Japanese website, it's it's linked on Mac Stories. And then um, he did an interview with with a another design site called, I think it's called Wallpaper, and that's quite good too. Uh, I, I think it, what's interesting to me about it is that it it goes a little bit into the, philo- the design philosophy of the company and uh, why they made the book, which in his words, seem to be because there seems to be a, there, that there's a disconnect these days between manufacturing and design, that that design and, and making something are divorced from each other, and that with this book, they, Apple wanted to show how those two things are, you know, are intimately linked with one another. And that's why it's it goes beyond just showing the products and actually showing how they're made, which um, I... I always, I'm a sucker for Johnny Ive. I like to hear him talk. He's he's a very interesting guy, and I think these two interviews were particular particularly good and and worth um, worth listening to or or reading if you're at all interested in design and how things are made. Yeah, definitely. Um, one last thing, I I, I want to mention this because that kind of obviously the comparisons are fairly obvious, but. Um, if you're in the market for this Apple book, but you're kind of like, oh, you know, it's quite expensive and you know, maybe you can't really justify it. The iconic book, um, which was by, I cannot remember the guy's name, um, but this is a, uh, it's very similar, like it's a book of kind of product shots of kind of all the different Apple products. Um, this is significantly cheaper. I think it's about £40 in the UK on Amazon. Right. Um, and probably about $50, $60, I think, in the US. Yeah, um, I and I right. have that as well. And it's a really, really nice book. Yeah, it spans a longer period of time. It goes back into the older catalog of products, which is interesting. And it, it's more just straight up product shots, right? The, right? Uh, yeah, I, this is from uh, the, you know the guy's personal collection, and he's I think he traveled around a bit and took some photos of other people's collections. But yeah, you know mm-hmm. it's glamour shots and product shots and stuff like that. But as you say, it kind of spans the whole of Apple's history rather than just this specific time period that apple have gone for um but yeah that that book is is really nice as well right oh good i definitely worth checking out i have not i don't have either book um but i should consider at least checking out iconic i think a little more closely yeah definitely um you've been writing about carplay this week yeah, I mean, it's been kind of a long road. I've had CarPlay for about six months, and I was going to write about it over the summer, but I wasn't, uh, I don't drive a lot because I take a train into the city, so it took me a while to really feel my way around CarPlay, and I wanted to get a, a good experience about it before I wrote about it. Uh, and, and I did have significant problems with it with my 6S Plus, uh, which I found a bunch of people who are having problems with it with the 6S Plus 
online. Uh, and because of the, uh, the phone would co- constantly disconnect from CarPlay while I was using it, uh, which made it even less reliable than Bluetooth. So I ended up using Bluetooth with that phone and giving up on CarPlay for a while until I got my new phone. And it's been perfect since then. Um, but I did a review on Mac Stories that goes into all the apps as well as just how you use it and what it's like. And it's, I like it a lot. I mean, it's better than any car system I've ever used. The problem is not so much CarPlay or iOS. It's the hardware it runs on. And at least on my Honda, the, the entertainment system is very laggy and slow. Um, you know, I describe in the article how if I get in my car, plug my phone in, and start the car, it takes about 30 seconds for the Honda entertainment system to boot up. So I can be out of the driveway and down the block before I can actually pick something to listen to, whether it's a podcast or music or whatever, which is too long. Um, what was interesting in the aftermath of doing the review is that I heard from a lot of readers who have used CarPlay too, and the, the experience is very widely. There's some people who just love it, and it's almost instantaneous. And I, it really comes down to, you know, the... Uh, the hardware that it's running on, which to me is kind of interesting because it's one of those few examples where hardware and software aren't integrated in an Apple product. Uh, And it really, really shows uh, because CarPlay itself is fine. But once you start touching the screen and using it in a car that is a little laggy, it really spoils the experience. At least part of the experience is spoiled by that. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that, as you say, that it's it's this one instance where Apple are relying on other people's crappy hardware, or you know, in some instances, good hardware if it's working well for people. Um, and it's it, your kind, your you know, your review or overview, whatever you want to call it, at this at this point is kind of interesting because uh, Google just released an update in the last couple of weeks for Android Auto. Um, uh-huh. And it will just run on the phone, um, right? So you'll get in your car, connect to the Bluetooth, and the phone just switches automatically to the, you know, the the Android Auto UI. Um, which you know, of course, you know, Android and Google aren't necessarily um, as obsessed with controlling the experience as Apple are. But I f- I feel like this would be the best way for Apple to go is you know run CarPlay on the phone. And then you would, you know, Apple could then guarantee that the experience would be good. So you wouldn't end up with this, you know, as you say, 30 second lag sometimes for you um, and startup yeah. times. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the thing is, is that's a whole nother set of compromises, right? I mean, because at that point now what you're doing is you're having to have some sort of mounting device in your car so that you can plug in your your phone and have it there. At least with what I've got, I can just kind of throw my phone into a pocket on the in the car and it's on the car's screen which is nice and and ultimately i think the best solution which is only just starting to show up now at least for ios is wireless carplay the only cars that have it right now are bmws and it was it's interesting because i the verge and at least one other website had reported that these these wireless CarPlay wasn't coming to BMW until February 2017. And then I immediately, and I put that in the article and immediately heard from people afterwards that no, no, it's already in all of the BMWs right now, which I corrected. But um, yeah, it's the only car that has it. And it's from what I understand, at least on the BMW, it works quite well. Uh, I was a little skeptical about how well it would work because, you know, the way this works, the way CarPlay works, it's kind of interesting. It's not its own 
operating system. It's a projection of iOS, like a custom projection of iOS on the screen in your car. So what it does is it's sending an H.264 video stream, which is the icons and anything you see on the screen. And then it's sending a couple of different audio streams, both whatever music or podcast or whatever you're listening to, as well as system sounds and that sort of thing uh, in a couple of different streams. And there's a, there's a plug-in that the auto manufacturers have to implement on their end for their, in their entertainment system for CarPlay to work. But once, you, once they do that, the iPhone is actually completely in control and the, the screen of the, the car is an accessory. Um, which, which I'm a little surprised that uh, automakers were willing to abdicate that much control over their internal systems. But uh, I think it's a way. It's, it's a good way to go because at least, you know, you may have a car for five plus ten years, whatever you may have it. But this way, you can update CarPlay every time iOS is updated, and not have to worry about, you know, the firmware of your car or anything like that. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how it works. Um, and, and as you say, I, th- I think. The car manufacturers, they want to do this because this is a good selling point for a lot of people. Um, you know, if they can say, "Oh, we've got CarPlay," and or you know, or uh, you know, Android Auto, or you know, any any other new system right. that comes along, it's kind of a good selling point to get people to buy the car or pay the extra to get it. Um, which you know, yeah. which is mostly what car manufacturers are trying to do. They want to charge you for every kind of extra thing, and and if CarPlay is something that you want, then you know that that's something they can make some extra money from. Yeah. What's interesting too, is they, they, they seem to not be able to say no to anybody. I mean, if I go into, in my Honda, it has all these different systems. It's got Android auto, it's got CarPlay, it's got its own thing. It's got two or three of its own things. It's got its own apps. It's got its own services. Um, and it's just kind of a mess. The nice thing about CarPlay is when I plug it in, it just takes over and I don't have to look at all that stuff. Cause at least the Honda services are kind of junk. Um, yeah. You know, and and Android Auto at least too is it's the same as car. It works the same way as CarPlay in a lot of respects. In that I don't have to worry about Android Auto. I don't have to, I don't see anything about Android Auto unless I had an Android phone and plugged it in, which I think is the best way to do it. Because if you don't have that phone, why bother having that visible to the user? But if I back out of CarPlay into the into the Honda system, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of junk that's not really useful. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, you've had it for what six months now. Yeah, about six months. And um, like I said, I don't drive a ton, but what I do like is, it, and usually what I do is go on short errands, which is why the boot up time really bugs me, uh, because I'm I'm constantly you know running into places, running out of places, and it takes a little while for it to get going. Uh, but it is it is nice, and there are a handful of apps. That are you know that you can use with it. Overcast is available. Castro, NPR One is a good one. Spotify, Apple Music, all those things are there. It's a little. There aren't a lot of third-party apps just because you can't. It's unlike other iOS development. You can't just make a CarPlay app. You have to to integrate CarPlay into your iOS app. You have to apply to Apple first. And as I understand it, that takes. A long time and usually you have to know somebody on the inside of apple to really get their attention i don't know if that's you know people are being screened for how they do the app and whether it creates some sort of liability since it's in the car uh, but it's very hard to get into the program and as a result there really aren't that many notable third-party apps the i guess the other limiting factor is that 
you know, developers are limited to audio and messaging apps for the most part. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, you know, the, it, it's you know, I also like the fact that you can get text messages, which is pretty nice. Except for when Siri is reading out a URL and starts reading HTTP colon slash slash and goes on. Oh, on. yeah, that's not good. <laughs> I don't know. There's much they can do about that. I guess they could skip. They once they see an HTTP, they could skip over it or something. But um, having a URL read to you while you're in the car is no fun. No, definitely not. Okay. So uh, you went to London the other, yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday. Um, yeah, how, I'm, I'm did, how did it go? <laughs> yeah, you went to uh, Winter Wonderland and the Lego store, right? Yeah, so yeah, we went to Winter Wonderland. That was, that was the reason that we went. Uh, uh-huh. Winter Wonderland is a... It's a Christmas market. It's it's got rides. It's got you know beer tents and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, th- this is in in Hyde Park in London. It, it's pretty big. Um, we also did the the Magical Ice Kingdom, which is kind mm-hmm. of you know they've got this huge tent and it's just loads of different ice sculptures and stuff like that, which is was pretty cool. Um, that wasn't too much. I think it was you know a few quid for for tickets or something like that. And you know we went around there. We looked around the Christmas market, and then and then yeah, we went to the the new Lego store in in Leicester Square. Okay, where um where in London is that? Is I is it near Hyde Park, or did you have to go very far? No, it's not too far. It, it's all kind of generally pretty close to each other. Um, mm-hmm. We kind of just jumped on the tube and went down to to Leicester Square. Okay, and uh, is this a standalone Lego store? I mean, how is it? A, is it a real big one? So yeah, this is a. A brand new standalone Lego store uh, in Leicester Square. It's right opposite the the M and M World store. Oh yeah, um, we, I've been in one of those before. <laughs> those are weird. Um, they, they are. It's they not until you go York in City. there that you realize how much how much M M&M and M merchandise they make. Yes. Um, so yeah, they're opposite that. I think I think they said it's the largest Lego store in Europe. Um, I mean. It's not a huge achievement. There's not that many Lego stores, to be fair. Right. Um, but it's pretty big. I mean, it's over two floors. Uh, downstairs has got a big underground train um, kind of model with the Queen in it and, and you know, a load of other characters. Um, and downstairs, they've also you know got uh, some, some underground maps made of Lego. And then as you go up the stairs, there's like a 3D relief uh, kind of lego mural on the wall which is really nice uh-huh. and then upstairs is where they've got you know a significant portion of, of the sets uh, downstairs tends to be like the the newer more expensive sets like ideas and um you know the big the heli carrier and the new modular buildings that kind of stuff um i mean in terms of lego stores it's just like most of the other lego stores you know they're, they're all pretty much the same much like when you go to an apple store um, right they kind of all look the same but you know it, it was nice to go um they have uh, there's a, a Lego, sorry, there's a London Skyline set that, that's coming out next year, but you can buy it now, but only from that store. So I, I picked that up. Oh, that sounds good. We have we had a uh, we have a Lego store in downtown Chicago, and I guess maybe five years ago they downsized. They moved from one mall shopping area to another, and on Michigan Avenue, which is the big shopping district for Chicago. And they moved from a really big store to a smaller store, so it's nothing too spectacular anymore in Chicago. Um, they have them in the suburbs too, in a couple of shopping centers. I think maybe there are two or three Lego stores total around here. But 
we also have something. I don't know if you have this in the UK or anywhere else. It's the. Uh, it's almost like a. It's a destination for Lego where you go and you, people have birthday parties there and there's like a little tour you do. It's it's almost like a mini amusement park in a shopping center, which is. It's good for little kids. I don't know. I don't is, know this, is this called the Disco- is this called a discovery center? Yeah, is that what yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, we have a couple of those. I think there's one in Manchester, um, and I don't know if there's one in London. I, I I know for definite there's one in Manchester, and I, I think they're specifically designed for like younger kids, like under like ten, I think. Right. I did. I've done it once a long time ago with one of my kids' birthdays, but they're all too old for that now. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of. I've never been in one because I, you know, they didn't have them when I was a kid, and I don't have any kids, so I, you know, I'm not going to go. Yeah, I think it'd be um, right. It'd probably be creepy if you went in there for your birthday now. Well, I vaguely remember reading a story recently that the Manchester one they won't let adults go in there by themselves anymore. Um, <laughs> which is, it's understandable if it is designed for kids. Um, but yeah, I vaguely right. remember reading a story about that. Um, so yeah, th- those funny. are dotted around. I guess there probably is one in London somewhere. Um, yeah. But I'm not aware of it, right? So what did you end up? Uh, what did you end up buying? Yeah, so I, <clears throat> so I got the the London Skyline set, um, as I say, which doesn't actually officially come out until February, I think, next year. Um, so you can only buy it in the Leicester Square store. Um, and then I did the pick a brick wall because uh-huh. if I'm at a Lego store, I have to do the pick a brick wall because it's it's really good value. Um, right. And then I bought a, a key ring. Uh, I bought mm-hmm. Ray uh, from oh, okay. Force Awakens because uh, I needed to. I needed to spend sixty pound to get the free gift. Um, oh, what was the free gift? The free gift is like a little. Uh, it's like a little Santa on a on a fireplace. Uh, I think it's supposed to look like a snow globe. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not a snow globe because it's made of Lego. Um, right. But yeah, I think I'd hit like fifty eight pounds, so I needed to spend like two two more pounds so I, I picked up a key ring hey i think i saw you say on twitter that there was a line to get into the place was it did it take very long to get in it wasn't as bad as i initially thought when we saw the queue i was ready uh-huh. to i just said to jess look let's just go home forget it i don't care that much um and we asked and the guy said oh, it'd be about 45 minutes and i thought and i was like do you know what we're here let's just do it um right. but it actually only took about 15 20 minutes to get to the front of the queue um, that's not too bad and, you know, it was basically just kind of a one-in, one-out kind of thing. Um, right. Which is understandable, because we'd been to the Disney store maybe half mm-hmm. an hour before that, and we just left because it was so busy. Yeah. Um, could, couldn't really see anything. No, we, we pretty much walked in to the, the main entrance. We're there for about two minutes, and then we're like, forget this. This is just too busy. Um, right. So I think Lego had the right idea kind of controlling who can go in and out. Um, right. I mean, they've only been open a, a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Um, mm-hmm. And of course, this is the Saturday after Black Friday. It's a few weeks before Christmas. It was bound to be pretty busy. Yeah. No, that sounds like a sounds like a good trip. I mean, other than you sound like you're getting a little bit of a cold, I'm just getting over one myself. So we probably both sound a little stuffed up today. Yeah, it's not not great. Every time I go into London, I'm either already ill or I get ill. Um, oh. I think it, I think it's the underground. It just it's it's too many people in a confined space. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sure that half the time I get sick, it's because I'm on public transportation with all sorts of sick people um, on the way into Chicago and back. But oh, you know, um, one other little tidbit: I have tried a MacBook with a Touch Bar now. 
did you was that in the in one of the stores or somebody no. you know oh, owens uh black yeah I owens up. came yeah it came uh what to say today sunday it came friday morning so he set it up and i don't know there's been a lot of griping about this this computer but it's amazing I, it, he got a 13 inch one it's just barely over three pounds uh and it's it's so light and the touch bar is instantaneously responsive. Um, I haven't used it in practice. You know, I, I just fiddled around with it. I didn't actually get to use it to do any work yet. So, and, and he's going back to school today, so I probably won't. But uh, I was really impressed with it. I like it. I mean, it's a it's a neat little computer. It's it, it it it's very much like the Air, but without the big bezels around the screen, which means it's about the same size and weight as an Air, but a lot more powerful. Yeah, that's definitely really good. If, like, if they can keep it that that light, I mean, you know, arguments aside about battery or whatever, um, you know, if if they're able to, as you say, get it that kind of small and compact um, for a thirteen inch, then that's really good. Um, right. I was going to go to the Apple Store yesterday, but after seeing the Disney Store and the Lego and the Lego Store, I was like, I, I can't bear another another busy store like the Apple Store. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been really crowded. Yeah, it, you know, I've got a fifteen inch. 2015 macbook pro and this was a 13 inch and and the difference is so striking in terms of thickness and weight that i think if i were to go out and buy one today i would probably try the 13 even though i'd have less screen real estate it was it's just so much more portable because i think mine is about four and a half pounds and this is three so it's you know it's not half but it's it's approach it's approaching that cool yep well, is that? I think that's. Yeah, we should probably wrap it up. Let's wrap it up before before I fall apart. <laughs> no, I know you're you're getting worse and I'm getting better, but we're both uh, not perfect. So let's let's uh, tell people where they can find us. I'm at John Voorhees on Twitter, and you can read my stuff at MacStories.net. And how about you, Rob? Uh, yeah, I'm on Twitter uh, at rmnewsuk. Um, you can read my two blog posts a year, RobLewis.me, if you want. Um, and show notes will be uh, ruminatepodcast.com slash 34. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Rob. Bye.